Shalom, my dear friends. We are going to continue together with the study of the book of 2 Corinthians. So I would like you please to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 12 to 24. And I would like to read these verses and please follow me. And I'm reading 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And verses 12 to 24. For our rejoicing, Paul is writing, is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. For we write none other things unto you than what ye read or acknowledged, and I trust ye shall acknowledge even to the end. As also ye have acknowledged us in part, that we are your rejoicing, even as ye also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. And in this confidence, I was mindful to come unto you before that ye might have a second benefit and to pass by you into Macedonia and to come again out of Macedonia unto you and of you to be brought on my way to Judea. When I therefore was thus minded, did I use likeness, or the things that I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh, that with me there should be yea, yea, and nay, nay? But as God is true, our word towards you was not yea and nay. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are ye, and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. Now he which establishes us with you is Christ, is Messiah, and has anointed us is God, who has also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you I came not, as yet unto Corinth, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, here we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 
1, and we are going right now to look into these verses and see what the Apostle Paul is saying to the Corinthian. It is very important to understand that Paul is now writing to the Corinthians, and as we have already learned earlier in our study of the second epistle, that actually the Apostle Shaul Paul really wrote altogether four letters to the Corinthians. From chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians, in verse 9, we read, I wrote unto you in this epistle not to company with fornicators. In other words, after the Apostle Paul had spent some time at Corinth, and he led the Corinthians to come to know the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and to establish a local assembly there. Then once he had left and continued on living Corinth, as we read in the book of Acts in chapter 18, after departing from Corinth, and the Apostle Paul, as we read in verse 19, and he came to Ephesus, there he have learned that things did not go well at Corinth, and that's why he wrote them a letter which apparently is reckoned to be as a lost letter. Apparently there was immorality, and we know that from the study that we have had over all the first letter that Shaul Paul wrote to the Corinthians. There was immorality and divisions and abuse of the gifts and the Lord's table and many, many issues that existed in Corinth. So, he wrote to deal with the immorality, and apparently this letter was lost, so that's how he wrote the second letter, which we know it as the uh, letter to the first Corinthian, the first letter of the Corinthian, which is actually the second letter that Apostle Paul wrote to them. Well, apparently, after they have received that First Corinthian letter, which is the second letter, Paul apparently have written a third letter, which is also lost, which is really considered to be a severe letter. That also was lost, and Paul referred to this third letter, which is the second lost letter, in Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4, and there he said, for out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears. So he have written a third letter before he wrote Second Corinthians. And apparently that was a severe letter and he wrote it with many tears because now not only that there was immorality and things haven't quite been settled there, apparently there were also false apostles came in and false teachers and they were accusing the apostle Paul and apparently that brought some sort of a rift between the local assembly at Corinth and the apostle Shaul Paul and so he wrote them that third letter which is the second lost letter and he mentioned that in second Corinthians chapter 2 for out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote you with many tears, and not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. So apparently, after he wrote that severe letter, well, 
Titus returned back and Titus gave him some report that they understood and accepted his letter that as far as we are concerned it's a lost letter but he, they understood him and they came to a point when they recognized that they were wrong and therefore they repented and Titus apparently came back and comforted Apostle Paul when he saw Titus. We read in Second Corinthians chapter 7 in verse 6, Nevertheless God that comforted those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. And Titus came with giving him good report, giving him comfort. That's why the Apostle Paul writing now this fourth letter, Second Corinthians, and that is the fourth letter that actually was written to the Corinthians. Well, the Spirit of God apparently placed in the canon of Scripture. So 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians are really inspired by the Spirit of God. And therefore, beloved brothers and sisters, these letters are in the canon of Scripture. But the first letter and the third letter out of the four are lost. But here we are studying the second letter to the Corinthians. So it is important to bear in mind that now when Paul is writing this second letter or second Corinthians, he's writing it after he have heard from Titus and he's writing now a letter that really opening his hearts to the believers at Corinth, revealing to them his love towards them. And he's giving them also some warning at the end concerning the fact that these apostles, these false apostles, or false teachers that crept in like they are creeping in anywhere, everywhere in the world in which we live in, in every local assemblies or congregations in the world. One must be wise and careful to seek to be under the sound of the Word of God, led by the Holy Spirit of God, so we can discern what is from the Lord and what it is not. Well, in these verses, from chapter 1, verse 12, in fact, all the way to chapter 2 and verse 17, we learn two very important lessons. Number one, how do we handle difficulties in our lives? And Paul showing us here how he handles difficulties in his life and how he relate to these difficulties and how he trusts in the Lord when difficult time rises in the life of God's people. Secondly, we learn that Shaul Paul is opening his heart to the Corinthian believers because he loved them. He loved them and he cared for them. And when false teachers have crept in and blamed Paul and put a rift between Shaul Paul and the Corinthian believers uh, who were actually the ones whom the Lord used Paul, Shaul Paul, to lead them to the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. And how quickly we, because of our sin nature and our failure, how quickly we can be swayed by all sort of bad influence. And Satan is always ready, Satan with the God of this world, with a small g, is always ready to harm and to put rift between believers and to cause frictions and problems to arise between the people of God. So 
we have to realize that when there are challenges in our life, problems in our life, really produce in God's people godliness if we allow the Lord to move in our hearts. Problems in life and crisis really show, show us and teaches us what we are like. Are we continuing on in spite of trouble and challenges to follow the Lord? Are we going to seek the, the mind of God? Are we going to seek to be a blessing to God's people? So when troubles and challenges are coming, they are really teaching us lessons and they are really causing God's people who are exercised thereby to change their mind and their behavior and live for the Lord in the midst of crisis. Well, Paul is really here in this portion of Scripture. He had a plan to come to Corinth, but it didn't work out. Notice this according to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 5, 6, and 7 at the end of the first epistle. We read in chapter 16 and verse 5, Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide here and winter with you. He sang to the Corinthians at the end of the first letter. He continued in verse 6b, That ye may bring me on my journeying whithersoever I go, for I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. Well, the Lord apparently did not permit, and things have changed. So, the Apostle Paul did not come. So, the Corinthians apparently accused the Apostle Paul as he was deceiving them, and he was not coming because he doesn't care for them. And you know how it is, beloved brothers and sisters, in any relationships we have assumption that one doesn't care and, and deceiving one another kind of thing, and they were accusing Paul. But of course, remember that they were also influenced by the false teachers and apostles that crept into the local assembly in the city of Corinth. So now, in this second epistle, in chapter 1, verses 12 to 24, Paul points to his own conscience, and he revealed to the Corinthians and to us that his conscience was clear. And so you notice what we read in verses 12 and 13 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul wanted the Corinthians to understand him. Not to misunderstand him, but to understand him. And so he says in verse 12, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. Verse 13, For we write none other things unto you than what ye read or acknowledge, and I trust that ye shall acknowledge even to the end. So Paul is really saying to the Corinthians, Listen, I have a free conscience. My conscience is clear. He says, The testimony of our conscience 
that in simplicity and in godly sincerity and not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God we have had our manner of life, our conversation or behavior, not only toward you, but also in the world, wherever we have gone to preach God's word. So it is interesting, beloved brothers and sisters, that Paul opened his heart towards the Corinthians, who now, he is now writing to them, after he heard from Titus, and after Titus saw that there was a change in them, and Paul is writing to them, he says, look, I did not come to you, and uh, you have accused me, but in actuality, our conscience was clean. We didn't do this out of pride and of the flesh, but no, he said, we have this conscience of ours that it is really in a simple way we continue to do the work of the Lord in sincerity and in truth. And when we have said to you that we will come to you, we have intended to come to you, but we want you to understand that we behaved in an honest way, with a clean conscience towards you, Corinthian, but not only towards you, as it says here in verse 12, we have had our manner of life, our conversation in the world, and more even abundantly to you, word. So we have a clean conscience. When I promised to come, I have intended to come, but somehow the Lord have not allowed me to come, and don't you be influenced by the, those false teachers who came to belittle me, to accuse me, to cause a friction between you and I, and, and therefore don't uh, listen to them. I have a clean conscience. I told you what I told you, and I was honest with you, and I plan to come to you to help you, to be a blessing to you once again. But you have to realize that we have a clean conscience. Very interesting word in the Greek. It is S-Y-N-E-I-D-E-S-I-S, syndesis, and simply means our hearts and our conscience. It's very interesting because the first time you find that word conscience in the New Covenant, it is found actually in John 8 and verse 9 where we read, and they which heard it, being convicted in their own conscience, their own conscience, they went out. You remember this uh, event that took place where they brought before the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, when he was there in the temple in Jerusalem, they took a woman in adultery, and then they brought her, and they said to him, Master, uh, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. And he said, Moses in the law commanded us that she should be stoned. What you have to say? So Yeshua knew that they were tempting him. And you remember he, he says the, to them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And one by one they came out. They were convicted in their own conscience. You know, the conscience... Uh, is the greatest judge of each and every one of us and each and every person. Conscience, in Hebrew we call it matzpun. A matzpun is the, that which came into this world the moment sin 
came in when Adam disobeyed God, violated God's word, ate from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He had eaten it, disobeyed God, and all of a sudden he knew that he was wrong. Sin came in, he plunged the whole human race into sin, and conscience came in. That's why he could not be in the presence of God anymore. His conscience bothered him. That's why he hid behind trees. That's why he made his covering out of fig leaves. That's why him and Eve uh, covered themselves and hid from before God because their conscience, their matspoon bothered them. And how many a time when we sin before the Lord, our conscience bothering us. And although we haven't gone to any judge in any court, yet our conscience is the closest judge and the judge that never leave us until we die. And that's why it's so precious to know that the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, died for our sins. And we need to confess it before God and acknowledge that Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, paid for our sins. And after even we receive forgiveness of sins and we become born of the Holy Spirit of God, we still have this conscience. And day by day as believers, that conscience condemns us every time sin happens in our lives. And how wonderful when one could say that our conscience is clear. That's what Paul is saying. You remember there was in the book of Acts, in chapter 24, Paul also said when he was sharing about the Messiah, about the Mashiach, Yeshua, Jesus. And there in verse 16, Paul said, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense towards God and toward men. Why? Because when one has a clean conscience, after he or she confessed before the Lord when we do sin, then God cleansing us. You remember 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sins, not only confess our mistakes, but confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's wonderful to know that. Very interesting that the Apostle Paul, his conscience, his heart was so much in love with his people Israel that he said in Romans chapter 9 and verse 1, I say the truth in Christ, in Mashiach. I lie not my conscience my conscience, my matspoon, my conscience also bury me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Mashiach, from my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh who are Israelis, to whom pertains the adoption and the glory and the covenant and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises whose are the fathers and of whom concerning the flesh the Mashiach came, who is over all God, blessed forever, Shaul Paul said, Amen. When he wrote to the Romans believers, his conscience, his matspoon, guiding him in the right direction towards the Lord, and when sin come, he repenting of that, and he said, my conscience is clear. I know that whatever I said to you, I said it. My conscience is free, is clear. I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. And it's not only towards you, but everywhere. I did not preach the word or spoke to anyone in the flesh, 
But by the grace of God, we have had our manner of life, our behavior in the world and among you, he says, towards you abundantly the more. He says, for we write none other things unto you. We don't change our mind. We, whatever we say to you, we meant it. Then what ye read or acknowledge, and I trust that ye shall acknowledge even to the end, he says in verse 13. In other words, I trust that you will acknowledge whatever I wrote to you, it is in sincerely. I meant what I said, and I said what I meant, and I intended to come, but it didn't work for me to get to you. And don't listen to those who accuse me and seek to blame me. And notice now in Second Corinthians, the same chapter where we study, chapter 1 and now verse 14, Paul is pointing pointed that his conscience is clear in light of the Lord's return because the Messiah is going to come back. There will be the judgment seat of Christ when the Messiah will come for his own people. And so he said in verse 14, As also ye have acknowledged us in part that we are your rejoicing, even as ye also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus, in the day of the Lord Yeshua. In other words, there is a day that is called the day of the Lord Jesus. This is very important statement. What does that mean, the day of the Lord Yeshua, the day of the Lord Jesus? You see, there is a day where the Lord is going to come to receive His own to be with Him. And that's the day of the Lord Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 8 we read, Who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the day of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. That's the day when we will have to stand before our Lord Jesus the Messiah as believers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5 we read again of the same statement. To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus, the Lord Yeshua. There is a day that we will all have to stand before the Lord. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of the Messiah. That's the day where the Lord will evaluate the manner whereby we have lived here in this world. Every one of us. Every true believer who is part of the ecclesia of the called out one will have to stand before the Lord in the day of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying here, beloved brothers and sisters, in verse 14, he says of 2 Corinthians 1, Ye have acknowledged us in part, and we are your rejoicing, just as you are ours. In the day of our Lord Yeshua. In other words, when we will stand before the Lord, Paul was intending to rejoice before Yeshua, before Jesus, because when his brethren, the Corinthians, will be there, and he will be there, it's a day of rejoicing. We are all in the presence of the Lord because of our trust in the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. He saved us. He forgave our sins. Although we will all stand appear before the judgment seat of the Messiah, but the believer's appearance in the judgment seat of the Messiah has nothing to do with salvation, but has everything to do with our behavior and our conduct here in this world since the day that we became born from above, since we have come to faith in the person of Yeshua the Messiah. Notice 
In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, Paul said, For we must all, we, me, Paul, and you, Corinthians, and all of us, beloved friends, and dear brothers and sisters, if you belong to the Lord, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, of the Mashiach, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. So we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of the Messiah. Now we have to always distinguish between the day of Christ, as it says here in verse 14 of Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 14, where it does say, beloved uh, brothers and sisters, it says, the day of the Lord Jesus, this is the day that has to do with the day where we will stand before the Lord and we will be with him and he will... All that which we have done that was contrary to his will will be burned with fire. And we will remain there only with that which we have done for Christ. And he will reward us. So for the believers, it has nothing to do with the judgment with respect to our salvation. No. Because once we have accepted the Lord, we belong to him. We belong to Yeshua Jesus. But... For us, the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment seat of the Messiah had to do with the rewards that he will provide all those that, that are saved and the way they live their life, that which was done for Christ, for the Messiah, will endure and will be rewarded. Now, many years later, over a thousand years, a thousand and seven years later, there will be the great white throne judgment, Revelation chapter 20. And there only unbelievers will stand before the judge. And there it has nothing to do with reward, but it has to do with the fact that because the unbelievers, the unregenerated individual from all generations there, because they, they did not believe in the uh, provisions of God, all unbelievers sadly, 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 will be cast into the lake of fire. What a sad thing to realize as we learn from the Word of God. That's why today, if you hear His Word, harden not your hearts, my dear friend. Paul continues in Second Corinthians chapter 1, and for verse 15 to 18, Paul's conscience was clear, and he was not careless as he made his plans to come to be with the Corinthian according to his promise which he wrote in the first letter. As we have already read verses 5, 6, and 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And then at the end, he said in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 16, verse 7, If the Lord permit. And if the Lord were permitting, he would have come. And so notice, he explaining himself before the Corinthians. In verse 15, he says, I wanted to come because I wanted to come for your benefit. Because, of course, as you remember, beloved brothers and sisters, the whole first epistle that was written to the Corinthians was written because of the sad 
immoral condition, an ungodly condition that existed in this local assembly at Corinth. And that's why Paul wrote the first letter, lost letter, that's why the first letter was lost and then the first Corinthian was written. And then Paul wanted to come to help to correct it. Then apparently he had a visit there, was a harsh visit, and then he wrote a harsh letter which was lost. And now he's writing this second letter after he heard from Titus. And so he's explaining to them here. In verse 16, Paul is saying, And to pass by you, into Macedonia, as it was already mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 5 to 7. And to come again out of Macedonia unto you, and of you to be brought on my way toward Judea. In other words, he intended to come to Corinth as he was going to other local assemblies there in Asia Minor to collect the funds that was for the benefit of the Jewish believers in Judea and in Jerusalem, because the early Jewish believers of first century, because of their faith in Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, they have suffered, they have lost uh, their possessions, they became very poor for the name of Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. And so Paul wanted to come out of Macedonia to come to them and to be brought by them, the Judea, Jerusalem, and all the land of Israel where the Jewish believers were there, his own brethren, his brethren according to the flesh, but also brethren Jewish believers uh, to go there and to minister to them and to bring the collection to, to bless them from the Gentiles believers. So he intended to go to come to Corinth. And then in verse 17, we continue to see, uh, I did have a plan and I was not careless, he's saying to them, did not purpose this in the flesh. I really wanted to come to you and to speak with you and to encourage you and to be a blessing unto you, but it didn't work out. So in verse 17, he said, When I therefore was thus minded, did I use lightness? You see, he's telling them, What do you think that I was carelessly making these plans? Did I use lightness or the things that I purpose? Do I purpose according to the flesh? That with me there should be yea, yea, nay, nay. In other words, do you think that I am saying sometimes yes, sometimes no, that I'm not steady and sure in what I say? In other words, when I tell you that I would come, I meant it. I purpose this. It's not that I'm sometimes saying yes and then changing my mind saying no. It's not that I was doing it lightly, verse 17. Not that I was doing it in the flesh, verse 17, but I meant it. I was not saying sometimes yes and sometimes no, sometimes no and sometimes yes. You know, sometimes, beloved friend, when we have no purpose and properly planning things, and you know how it is, sometimes we can be like that ourselves. Not steady, not consistent, not faithful, not but like doing in the flesh, things in the flesh. And sometimes we say yes, sometimes we say no, and people cannot take us seriously. 
And Paul's saying, no, I didn't do it lightly when I promised you that I'd come. I didn't do it in the energy of my sin nature, the flesh. But I purposed this before God. He was praying about it. He was seeking the mind of the Lord. And remember at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 7, where Paul says, if the Lord permit, doesn't it remind us of James 4? In verses 13 to 15, where James Yaakov wrote, and he said to those who, to whom he wrote, Go ye now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we, we will go in such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and then get gain. Where is ye know not what shall be on the morrow? For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So it's appropriate to plan, but to commit it to the Lord and say, Lord, these are my plans, this is my schedule, but Lord, I want your will to be done. And of course, even like today, if you need to fly somewhere, obviously you have to buy a ticket, plan for the time of the flight, the day of the flight, and the time of departure, the time of arrival. You need, we need to plan it, but always, if the Lord permit. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 7. If the Lord will, Yaakov, James chapter 4 and verse 15. So beautiful to see. And so in verse 18, Paul continued to say to the Corinthians, But God knoweth, God is true, and God is, whenever God saying something, whenever God directs us to do something, I want to be guided by the Lord, by the Spirit of God. This is very important. So in verse 18, you notice, he's pointing out to the fact that God knows everything. And so we read in verse 18 of Second Corinthians chapter 1, But as God is true. You remember we have a verse in the book of uh, Romans, Let God be true, and every man a liar. But as God is true, and indeed God is true. Yeshua said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one come to the Father but by me. As God is true, our word towards you was not yea and nay. We are not untrue to you and unstable in what we say to you. God is true and we want to have the mind of the Lord. And therefore, in verses 15, 16, 17, and 18 of Second Corinthians chapter 1 of our chapter, Paul had a clean conscience. His conscience was clear when he promised to the Corinthians that he will come. And therefore, when they were accusing him, influenced by others who belittled Paul and said, who is Shaul Paul? He's not someone to even follow after. And they were sowing all sorts of seeds of discord between the Corinthians, whom Shaul Paul led to Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, led to become part of the local assembly in the city of Corinth. But they sadly were influenced, and therefore the Apostle Paul is writing to them the second letter to assure his love 
uh, towards them, beloved brothers and sisters. We read in Acts uh, chapter 16 these words concerning the Apostle Paul because Shaul Paul was always guided by the Spirit of God. You know, beloved brothers and sisters, oftentimes, sadly, when we are on our own, doing our own thing and not waiting on the Lord, we are just being uh, led by our flesh, our sin nature. For, from Acts chapter 16 and verse 6, we see how Paul was guided by the Spirit of God. We read in verse 6 of Acts 16, Now when they had gone throughout Pergia, in the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they assayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul. In the night there stood a man of of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia Surely gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. How wonderful to see the way in which the apostle Shaul Paul was led by the Holy Spirit of God and those that went with him to Europe actually when they were the door was open unto them, beloved brothers and sisters. We think of the verses that are found in Matthew uh, chapter 5 and verse uh, 33. Notice what we read, Matthew 5 and verse 33, Yeshua is speaking. Again, ye have heard that it has been said by them of all time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oath. But I say unto you, Swear not at all. Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool. Neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. He continued in verse 36 and 37. Neither shall thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black, but let your communication be yes. Yes or no, no, yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these comes of the evil. Beloved brothers and sisters, here is the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, instructing his disciples, Talmidim, who became the apostles, those that he used to be the foundation of the assembly, the ecclesia. And he's instructing them, on that Sermon on the Mount in the Galil, in the north of Israel, before Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, died, before the church, the assembly was born, he is instructing them, the manner whereby they are to behave and conduct themselves. And so, Paul is writing to the Corinthians in the second letter, in chapter 1, now verses 15 to 18, Paul told to the Corinthians that his conscience 
was clear and he was not careless in his plans to come to the believers at Corinth. And so now in verses 19 and 20 of the first chapter of 2 Corinthians, Paul really always wanted to give glory to God. How wonderful it is to have such an attitude in the life of God's people. Always to seek to give glory to God because He deserves all the glory because of who He is and what He had done. And so it says in verse 19, listen to this, verse 19, He says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, this is Yeshua HaMashiach, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. In other words, again, it was not unsteady and unsure and unclear. Sometimes yes, sometimes nay, sometimes yes, sometimes nay, sometimes yes, sometimes no. No, it was very clear. It was yea. When we say yes, it is yes. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, was preached among you by us, Corinthians. You remember when we were there for 18 months? He's saying to them. When we ministered to you the gospel and you became believers. And not only me, but also Silvanus. And not only Silvanus and me, but also Timothy. It was not unsteady. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. It was yes. When we preached, was yes. And faithfully we presented before you the person of the Son of God. The Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. The anointed one. Notice. The Son of God speaks of the divine nature of our Lord Yeshua Jesus. And then Jesus Christ, Yeshua the Messiah, this is His humanity. His name is Jesus. You shall call His name Yeshua, for He shall save His people from their sin. And who He is? He is the Christ. He is the Mashiach, the Anointed One. And then He continued, beloved brothers and sisters, and it is very interesting because in verse 19 he is emphasizing both the divine nature of the Lord Jesus the Messiah and the humanity, the human nature, and his office as the Mashiach, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And where was that brought from? Where was it promised? That's why, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, verse 20 is a beautiful verse. Because all the promises that was given to the people of Israel in the word of the Lord, in the Hebrew scriptures, are in Christ, in the Messiah. And they are yes, and they are amen. Listen to verse 20. For all the promises of God, in Him, in Him, are yes, and in Him, Amen, unto the glory of God by us. This is a very, very beautiful verses to read, verses 19 and 20. Why, beloved brothers and sisters? Because it shows us that our faith in the person of the Lord Jesus the Messiah is based upon the Hebrew Scriptures, upon the promises of God in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew Scriptures. How do we know that the Son of God will come? Where do we read it? Isaiah tells us 
spoke to the people of Israel 750 years before the Messiah came that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Ben Nitan Lanu. Ben, son. God, the son, was already in eternity past, but he was given, but he entered into this world as a child and he was born. In his divine nature, he was always there. In his humanity, he was born to the Virgin Miriam in the city of Bethlehem. You see this? This is so beautiful. So, verse 20, for all the promises of God, which you can find in the Hebrew Scriptures, are in Him, in the Son of God, in Yeshua Jesus, in the Messiah, in Christ, Christus, Mashiach. Because the only one who could be the anointed one, the Messiah, is the Son of God. But in order for him to be the Messiah, he had to become a man, to enter into this world and take union, human nature, with his divine nature. That's why in Isaiah 7.14 tells us, And to us promise was given that the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And so verse 19 and 20 provide for us the sure foundation that faith in Christ, faith in the Messiah, is based upon the written word of God which was given to the people of Israel days, months, years ago. There is a verse that is found in Romans chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, which says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm, listen, the promises made unto the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. Psalm 18, verse 49, Isaiah 42, verses 6 and 7. Amazing, beloved brothers and sisters, when we read these verses, it is fascinating. In Luke chapter 1, we read in verse 30 to 33, Luke 1, verse 30, we read, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Miriam, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Yeshua, Jesus, Yeshua. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. In other words, beloved brothers and sisters, while today the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, is building the ecclesia, the assembly, yet in the future day he will restore his people Israel and he will rule over the house of Jacob. Over the house of Jacob. And there shall be no end of his kingdom in the future day. How wonderful to read these verses together. So in verses 19 and 20, Paul wanted 
to give glory to God as he was writing to the Corinthians and so he's saying in verse 19 and 20 for the Son of God Jesus Christ would preach among you by us even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus it was not yea and nay but in him was yes yeah for all the promises of God in him yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us in other words Paul wanted to be sure that the believers at Corinth, to whom he writing this now second Corinthian, which is in actuality the fourth letter out of the four that was written, two are lost, and he wanted them to know that he cared for them, they had a plan to come to them, that he wanted to acknowledge them and to continue his ministry unto them, but He was not able to come, and so they should not be influenced by others who tell them Paul did not come because he doesn't care. Paul does not come because he's not important. Paul does not come because he's really not an apostle. Paul does not come because of one thing or the other. And the Corinthians, who were in sad spiritual condition, of which condition we read throughout the whole first letter, first epistle to the Corinthians, they swayed and they turned against Paul. But now Paul, after hearing from Titus, writing to them a letter that opening his heart towards them and explaining himself to the Corinthians. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, the last verses of chapter 1 of Second Corinthians, verses 21 to 24, Paul was showing to the Corinthians that truly he was guided by the Lord and by the Holy Spirit of God. And so in verse 24, God established Paul, and God established the Corinthians through the Spirit of God. And so we read in verse 21, Now he which establishes us, with you in Christ, in the Messiah, and has anointed us, is God. In other words, God the Father hath established us in the faith, and He hath done so for both, for the apostle and those that were with Him, and for the Corinthians. He is the one that have established, how wonderful this expression, established, that is mentioned here, beloved brothers and sisters. You see, God wants his own people to be established in the faith. According to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18, we do read that the desire that the believers will be established, beloved brothers and sisters, we do read Uh, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, a bit earlier than verse 18, that the gifts that were given for the perfecting of the saints, verse 12, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's why gifts were given, in order that believers will be established, and they will not go to and fro, being influenced by all, carried away, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So, it was God who established us. He established me, Paul is saying, but he also established you in Christ with us. And he has anointed us. Notice that word, anointed us. 
that anointing had to do with the Holy Spirit of God. To be anointed, it means Spirit of God have set us apart and uh, and make us link with the Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. That is the purpose of the anointing one. And so we read in the epistle of John concerning the one that has anointed us. And the Spirit of God is the one that have anointed us. First John chapter 2 and verse 20. Beloved brothers and sisters, we do read... First John chapter 2 and verse 20, we read, But ye have an unction or an anointing from the Holy One, and ye know all things. That anointing, that unction is that charisma, that anointing from the Spirit of God. We have been anointed by the Spirit of God. We belong to the Lord. We belong to Him because the Spirit of God came to indwell in us. We receive new life. We have been born again. But not only this, he adding in verse 22, he's saying, God, not only that He has anointed us, not only that He has established us positionally, and he, we are called to be established practically, but also He had sealed us and given to us His Holy Spirit. Verse 22, who has also sealed us. This is so beautiful. He had sealed us and have given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. In other words, we have the Holy Spirit of God in our hearts to indwell us. And that's why believers are sealed. We belong to Him, even though sometimes there are frictions among believers. But in actuality, beloved brothers and sisters, we belong to the Lord. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 says, In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard of the word of the truth of the gospel of your salvation. And then he said, In whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ruach HaKodesh, the God, the Holy Spirit who has sealed us. He marked us. We belong to Him. You, Corinthians, belong to Him. I belong to Him. He has sealed us. And He has given to us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. The Holy Spirit of God is dwelling in you and in me, Paul is saying to the Corinthians. This is very, very important, beloved brothers and sisters. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 we read, Ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If or since, so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Then he said, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Unbelievers do not have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling them. Only believers, only those that confess and repented before the Lord, saying, Lord, I am a sinner. I need your forgiveness of sins. Forgive my sins, Lord. And Yeshua the Messiah, on the basis of His finished work, His death, burial, and resurrection, forgive the sins of those that trust in Him. And so in verses 23 and 24, uh, we can conclude in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul saying, God knows the record of my plan. I did not come now to you, 
because there was a need for you to have some time until you will repent and change your mind. And God, in His wisdom, have allowed me not to come yet. And so we read in verse 23, Moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth. In other words, to delay His coming for one reason or another, as He says that He called God for the record, that by Him delaying His coming to the Corinthian believers, it was for their benefit, so they will be spared with what He would and could have told them because their spiritual state was so low. And so, Chapter 1 is concluded with verse 24. I do not want to have dominion over you at all. Not for that we have dominion, that we have dominion over you, say, uh, your faith, he said, but are helpers of your joy, and for by faith you stand. In other words, I am not saying what I am saying in order to rule over you and to have dominion over you, no. I don't want to be having a rule over you. You are on your own before God. You are standing on your own. You need to be to trust the Lord, to be faithful to the Lord, to serve the Lord, not to allow anybody to influence you. I commit you to the Lord. You are standing on your own. For by faith ye stand. You are standing alone by trusting God in your walk with the Lord. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, we read, Peter called all the elders, any servant of God, he's saying to them, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being an example to the flock. Amazing. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. This is First Peter 5, verses 2, 3, and 4. Amazing, amazing. So, beloved friends and dear brothers and sisters, from verse 12 to verse 24 of Second Corinthians chapter 1, Paul points to his own conscience. As he writes these words to the believers at Corinth, opening before them his heart and sharing with them that his conscience is clear. And the reason that he didn't come is not because he doesn't care for them. The reason that he didn't come, he was led by the Lord, as he said, if the Lord permit. And on the other hand, he wanted the Corinthians not to be influenced by those false teachers, those that sowing discord among the brethren. And therefore, what a lesson it is for us, my dear brothers and sisters. May the Lord help us to have a clean conscience. And how often time we lose the joy in our walk with the Lord when our conscience is not clean before the Lord. That's why we need to learn to forgive one another. That's why we need to learn not to have a root of bitterness in our hearts. That's why we need to learn to love the brethren. That's why we need to learn to a, a humility before the Lord. 
That's why we need to learn the mind of the Lord, to learn from our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, looking unto Yeshua, unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Well, my dear friends, dear brothers and sisters, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord bless his word. Until the next time, we say to you all, Shalom, Shalom.